Hey guys, this is uh, your friend Robert from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, I wanted to respond to uh, your post regarding uh, our queer mentors, and uh, I wanted to recognize somebody that was really instrumental in my life uh, to help me see that being gay was just a piece of who I was and not the sum total. Um, that gentleman's name was Peter Lopez. And uh, he's not with us any longer, but um, he really taught me a lot. And when I think about transitioning from my early sort of gay adolescence into what I hope has become my queer adulthood, uh, he is certainly the person that I think about. Um, he helped. Uh, he helped me learn that, you know, uh, I'm just a person. And uh, that my identity isn't entirely wrapped up. I mean, certainly it's important to me, but uh, but it's it's about being a fully well-rounded person. And uh, and he's the person who taught me that. So I just wanted to share. Uh, thank you guys, and I enjoy listening to your podcast. Y'all take care now. Bye bye. Hi, this is Cody Dagalorians. This is Neil Dagalorians. And welcome to another episode of Bearded Fruit. Yay. Hey, come, no, this is our first 2017 episode, so you should be like real excited. Bearded Fruit. I'm Mariah Carey right now, okay? <laughs> I am not even saying these words. I'm just lip syncing them very It poorly. doesn't get any better. No, it doesn't. Drop mic, walk away. I'm being a good um, sport here, okay? Oh my God, she was amazing. It went to number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Y'all sing. I'm here for it. The audience will sing. I was so perfection. This is our very first episode of 2017. Uh, we survived 2016 somehow. Somehow, and we have uh, we've now made it in 2017. So happy new year to all of our listeners. Yay! We hope that you will have uh, an incredible 2017, just like we will. Yay! <laughs> He's in a mood. So this week we are talking about um, queer mentors, uh, people who help you sort of figure out your queer self and uh, being a good mentor and how we can better uh, help those who need mentors and how we can better help those who have been mentors. So this uh, we right before um, he's laughing at me. What are you laughing at me for? What about women tours? <laughs> As always, Bearded Fruit takes an intersectional approach to a conversation. See, and it's funny because I'm thinking, like, who's my mentor? And I don't really have mentors. I have dementors. Oh, that's a nice... That is all I have to add to this episode, so have fun. No. All right. So, a couple of days ago, I got a message from one of our listeners. And it was it's it's really the thing that inspired this, this episode. It was uh, a message from a kiddo named Matt in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to read some of it to you because it was um, it was moving. Note he says kiddo because he's literally older than all of you. I, yeah. So this is uh, from Matt's message. Hi, I am a huge fan of your show. I like where this is going already. I love listening to it and you guys make me laugh and I learn so much about my new community. 
I'm 17 and I just came out to a couple of my friends who have been very supportive and my family. I told my sister and she has not said a word about it since. Then I told my mom and she said she loves me no matter what, but she wishes it were the other way and it breaks her heart that I am gay. My brother is the homophobic one. He makes fun of me a lot and calls me names. Your show is helping me a lot. You guys are very special to me. You make me feel comfortable, happy, and safe. Right? I was a mess sitting here in my office <laughs> mm-hmm. reading that. I was a total queer mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the difference between that and any other day? <laughs> um, oh, you mean this time you were crying. <laughs> oh, that's the difference between this specific moment and just your every day, every waking moment. I Got mean, it. Okay. Fair. I am generally a queer mess. Anybody who knows me and spends any time with me recognizes that that's true. But I was I was a tearful queer mess. There you go. We're being specific um, now. With Matt's message. Um, and it was it was very, very sweet. Um, you know, I don't know the, how much uh, everybody who listens to the podcast kind of knows why we even started this. I mean, we covered it long ago before. <laughs> why did we even start this? Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly Neil doesn't even know. What? No, the podcast started because uh, I used to be a playwright in another life. And I haven't really written since we moved to Connecticut. It's been about two years since I've kind of worked as a playwright in any kind of serious way. And I needed something to do. I needed some kind of outlet. And so I thought doing a podcast would be fun because I like them and then it ended up being a fun way for Neil and I to hang out and talk about queer political things that we care about I don't see him any other day of the week just just whenever we record but this is like a fun thing we get to do together and in my mind doing this podcast was always kind of just um a fun thing to do but in the last year and so that we've been doing it it's really been about a year and a couple months um it kind of has taken on a, a a very different role in my life it feels like a really positive thing that we're doing and so getting a message like this that this this silly thing that you do sitting in your office to have like a good time with your husband and to find some kind of creative outlet is actually serving to help a person that's yeah that's like a really big deal and that means a lot to me and um not only that but hearing that i did a thing that made some teenager who is in a possibly unsupportive environment feel safe made me think about all the people who did that for me when I was a young kid who needed a place to feel safe or needed somebody to kind of reaffirm my identity as a queer person Mm -hmm. and it felt a little bit like a pay it forward kind of moment Mm -hmm. uh, or a pay it back because pay it forward was a terrible movie I don't even want to like anyway like Helen Hunt and Kevin Spacey and the Sixth Sense Kid. I think there's cancer involved in that oh, at some God. point. I don't uh, even paying it forward to be like just making the movie disappear. Ooh. The terrible movie. I so sappy. Not as bad as K Pax. Just okay. saying. Okay, you're you, not as bad as you K-Pax. were scolding me before this episode about tangents, and here you are. Look, I know. I am just clocking you for a little moment. Okay, go clocked. On. Um, but yes, to know that our podcast has done something positive for a young LGBT person means a great deal to me. And I was a tearful queer mess uh, reading Matt's message. So um, to Matt, who I know is going to listen to this episode, first of all, shout out to Matt. Yeah. Welcome to the club, girl. Oh, am I, was I supposed <laughs> to high five you there? Was yeah. I, no. Um... Okay. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to the to the queer club, Matt. 
Queer um, club with two Q's. You know, sometimes it's it sucks, and sometimes it's totally awesome. Uh, and most of the time, it's somewhere in between. Most of the time, it's somewhere in between. But know that there are uh, people out there in the world, like Neil and I, who are out there giving you a thumbs up and supporting you and making sure that you know you made the right choice coming out. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the club. It's going to be a fun ride. And uh, we've got your back, mm-hmm. Matt, and all the other Matts out there. So like, seriously, this is to anybody else. If our podcast means something to you, oh my God. I would love to hear from you. It would be so great to hear from the people who think this podcast matters. Cody's New Year's resolution was to cry more. So I would. Yes, I would. If you send me tearful messages, I will try to Snapchat myself crying while I read them. <laughs> I'm a Facebook live that mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. Well, Levi does um, want us to make a Snapchat. I know. I, I can't figure out why. What it, I, I don't even Snapchat normally like mostly i just put my face looking at my bitmoji mm. and send it to people because i think that's funny i can't believe you still down i still can't believe you downloaded <laughs> bitmoji that is the tackiest Ugh. okay don't shame bitmoji because um my friend chris uses it and he it's always it always makes me laugh that's exactly why i'm shaming it and then and <laughs> and then so on snapchat actually your bitmojis hang out together yeah, oh <laughs> you didn't know that because i don't have it <laughs> yes because i have a life yeah oh, oh. gag gag i'm bald already um no this is no really on snapchat when you um if you have your friend has bitmoji too and you both have it then you have a little screen that pops up with your bitmoji doing stuff so like there were during holidays uh chris's bitmoji and my bitmoji were hanging out like Building snowmen or going or doing down on each other. No. <laughs> that isn't part of the expansion pack. Um, <laughs> that costs money. That's that's the yeah, ninety nine cent upgrade. That's totally nobody's, nobody's paying for that. Um, so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about our mentors, but you sort of said you don't didn't have any. You didn't have any like. So oh. I was. I've been thinking about this for a minute. Um, I. You should go first. Okay. Um, I know what I want to talk about. Yeah. It's just, it's not, I don't, I don't have like, ah, person. Gotcha. So the, the, I was going to talk about, uh, drag queen Paul, but I decided to save that for another time in another context. Cause I thought about, uh, two guys actually who were kind of my gay dads in a way. Um, coming this fall on NBC. <laughs> so, and it's kind of got like a little bit of a sordid tip to it it's got like a little like a a sorted spin so there are these guys uh mike and bob who i talked to uh back in the day on aol in the aol chat rooms Mm -hmm. and i talked to them individually they were both really nice and i had big crushes on both of them and um bob one night was like hey you should come over and uh hang out with me and my partner and like i was 20 some i was like 20 so the idea of a threesome was terrifying to me and i was like no man there's no way i can totally do that you and your partner are probably super nice guys not it's not happening mike separately hit me up and i was like okay totally i'm gonna go hook up with mike instead of bob and his partner because you know like i can't that's i can't handle that so i show up to um mike's house and bob is his partner like snatched they they kind of tricked me into a threesome um (laughs) 
tricked I, into a threesome. I love lifetime, that movie lifetime movie starring. Oh, I was going with that. <laughs> starring Harry Hamlin. Oh. So I was kind of tricked into a threesome with Mike and Bob, but it ended up being um, hot. And they actually ended up being two guys who were very important to me. And I just want to point out while you were having a threesome, I was like in junior high. (laughs) That's all I can think of. Well, okay. It is not my problem how you manage your time poorly. Oh no! I was having a threesome injury. No. I'm oh kidding. no! So, but Mike and Bob were in, were in, ended up being like incredibly lovely guys, and they would invite me over for dinner, and I'd hang out with them, and they were this like really nice functioning gay relationship. Uh, I wasn't at a place in my life where I was ready to kind of embrace an open relationship because that sort of scared me. I was perfectly happy to reap the benefits of other people having an open relationship. But I wasn't ready to have that for myself. And but they they were so confident and so comfortable with who they were. We would just hang out in their hot tub and we talk about life and we talk about what I was doing in college and we talk about what I wanted to do with my life. And they were so kind and nurturing and and positive. And they were wonderful. They were really like my gay dads. They were guys I felt comfortable talking to about queer stuff when I wouldn't didn't necessarily feel comfortable talking to my family or talking to my friends about it. And they had a hot tub. Like it was amazing. <laughs> and they had a hot tub. Um, so sad addendum to the story. Pro- I, I moved away and I haven't really talked to them in forever because it's now been like 20 years since I've known them. But um, Bob passed away recently. Bob um, had lung cancer and Mike and I would talk on Growler sometimes, and so he kind of kept me updated, and uh, Bob passed away not very long ago, mm. so it was sad. It was a sad day, as he was such a nice person, and they both are wonderful. Um, 2016 was literally the worst. Yeah, so to Mike and Bob, my my gay dads, um, they invited me to be part of the, like, to be in a triad with them, but that blew my little cajun mind and i couldn't handle that blew your little cajun mind. yeah i couldn't handle that and um sometimes i regret that i didn't do that and like be in a relationship with them for a while i'm sorry i can't be but two people at once they were wonderful and so mike and bob my heart is your you know i love you guys will uh, your heart go on it will uh and near i love them far so wherever they are those are my gay that's my gay mentor mike right. and bob you are no budding my celine dion reference the i axiom. see you so that's mine. So I didn't really have that. Like, I didn't. Um, namely because uh, what I had instead was a community. Um, I was really involved with a nonprofit in high school. I came out at 16. I came out in an article that I wrote for the school paper about coming out day. Um, I was like, by the way. Um, so... Like, I came out in a very public manner. It was just, like, all out there. I didn't want to have to do the whole individual thing. So, like, that was just the most efficient way to come out. Um, So, um, it was... What what I had instead was a group of friends who um, I was very, very connected to with uh, this nonprofit that I used to work for and volunteer for uh, back in Omaha. Um, and we did residential leadership workshops for uh, high school kids. And I was a kid who went through that leadership workshop and then eventually came back as a volunteer and like worked for them and stuff. Um, so uh, what I had instead were, were friends who were not necessarily queer, but very affirming. 
and very accepting. And um, even though, even though um, I feel like I am who I am, my most authentic self now, that um, as opposed to when I was living in Nebraska, I feel like that has a lot to do with feeling like I had to be a certain person around my family more than my friends. But like when I see my friends again, when I do get a chance to see them, and I I, I am who I am here they still accept me and they still love me. So I think about like, 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 um, like Emilio and I think about like Matt and Levi and Nikki and Miles and like all these other people who I've met through this programming, um, and through working there and through volunteering there, I think about them, um, not necessarily being a mentor and showing me how to be queer and stuff like that, but just allowing me to be, which is, I feel, I, I mean, like part of me feels like I missed out because I feel like I didn't have and I feel like there's there's something really, really upsetting about our culture where anything remotely queer is considered too adult for kids. So as a result, kids lack that. Like there there are no gay role models for the most part. Um, and then like people point out, oh Neil Patrick Harris, oh, that's great, cool. We have one, <laughs> like one really famous gay person. Woohoo! Not saying there aren't more famous gay people. Anyway, but like. Um, adults are not allowed to talk about queerness to kids. It's considered taboo because queerness is considered inherently sexual and it's considered um, not appropriate for children. So like as a result, I feel like I missed out a lot of that. And I feel like I missed out a lot of that, especially because um, because of how closely related to the church I was growing up. Um, <laughs> here's a fun, here's a fun memory of mine, um, which made it really hard for me to s- seek that kind of attention out. Um, when I was like 17 or no, 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 this was right when I came out. So I was 16. Um, I had a MySpace and on MySpace, you can literally at the time you could say if you were gay, straight or whatever. Um, and my MySpace said gay. And when I had come out, my mom had decided to, um, she had known beforehand, but she wasn't expecting me to do something like this. I totally did it without telling her. Um, and she kind of panicked um rightfully so in in retrospect but um one of the things she did was she like got her own myspace profile so she could check in on me and one day she just told me that she said i was soliciting myself because i literally just had that i was like literally in the little side profile just said i'm gay Mm. and she said i was soliciting myself and it's like girl (laughs) like no i'm just i'm just sharing what i am and and to be to be fair, during that time too, that was still that was still back in the whole like don't put any personal details on the internet, you will die uh, mindset that people had in general. Whereas now it's like totally oversharing everything. Behavior like that kept me from really wanting to from from feeling safe that I could, that from feeling like I could find somebody where I could just hang out with them. It was really strange. I felt like I I I felt really pressured to actually not do that to not seek out queerness and to not seek out queerness and other people as a result so like even though i had a community of really great support i feel like i missed out on something because of that the question of mentoring particularly when it comes to lgbt youth uh is important because the statistics on lgbt youth are pretty kind of depressing they're they're uh to shift to a more serious tone they're they're sobering instead not so much depressing they're sobering so this is from the hrc and they're growing up lgbt in america study some interesting facts to know about why lgbt young people need mentors like us those of us who are already out to go and mentor them four in ten say their community is not accepting of lgbt people that's a lot mm-hmm. 
Uh, LGBT youth are two times as likely to have been physically assaulted. 26% of LGBT youth say their biggest problem in life is not feeling accepted by their family or the fear of being out. Mm. Counter that with 22% of non-LGBT youth saying their biggest problem in life is grades. Mm. Like that... (laughs) Hello, girl. I'd rather be worried about grades. I was actually worried about both, though. I was, I was worried about grades and fear of being out mm. all the same time. Seventy-three percent of LGBT youth say they are more honest about themselves online than they are in the real world, and ninety-two percent of them say they hear negative messages about being LGBT in the world, mm. and then in their daily lives. That's um. That's difficult. And that is something that we can literally do something about. We as people who are out and who are in the world can reach out to uh, and do what we can for LGBT youth to make sure that they are not hearing just these 90 these negative messages about about their about uh, who they are, that they are. There are places where they can feel accepted, that their communities are more welcoming places. We can do things to change these statistics and turn them around for the better. Mm-hmm. It's also important to know that a lot of LGBT youth, a significant number of LGBT youth, uh, experience homelessness as an extension of their communities and families not being welcome and, and of coming out. So these are uh, statistics from the True Colors Fund. 1.6 million LGBT youth in this country are experiencing homelessness. That's completely unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Up to 40% of the homeless youth population identifies as LGBT. Mm. Almost half of them identify as LGBT. And only 7% of the general youth population experiences homelessness. Mm. So LGBT homeless youth, that percentage is, is, is wildly disproportionate to the general youth population who experiences. And this is... Terrible. More than one in four LGBT youth who are experiencing homelessness have been kicked out of their homes. Mm. One out of every four, 25% of them were kicked out by their parents. Now, I cannot as a parent imagine anything that would force my child, that would make me force my child out into the street without a home, without a place to go, without a safe space, without food to eat, without Minecraft to play. (laughs) I cannot imagine that. And it's shocking to me that it's one in four Mm -hmm. that happens to them. Um, So I think we should just all do a better job. We should, and this is, we're at the start of a new year. I think it's incredibly important for us to not just make it a point to, to try to further LGBT issues and rights like marriage and employment, non-discrimination, but I think we need to pay special attention to LGBT youth do you have tangible things or are you just saying, I'm, I'm curious, do you have tangible things that we can do to help LGBT youth or is that Well, just a- yes. I mean, things that you can, some tangible things you can do is reach out to organizations that are in your community. I mean, it's, uh, you can say like, okay, go to PFLAG, try to volunteer for those organizations, try to donate money to these organizations. But in your individual communities to reach out to LGBT organizations that are working on the ground in your community. Like for example, here in Hartford, there's an organization called True Colors and they work specifically with LGBT youth and and uh, 
a majority of them are experiencing homelessness. So they have a mentoring program and other they do other activities and uh, programs for them to nurture them and mentor them and give them safe spaces. Um, reaching out to organizations that are doing work like that, volunteering, participating in their activities, donating to them, that makes a positive impact on mm-hmm. on LGBT youth. Can I offer a suggestion as well? Absolutely. <clears throat> um, so in Omaha for um, Heartland Pride, um, a couple years ago, um, <clears throat> I don't know the full story, but I believe Dominique Morgan started or spearheaded this movement to have a separate event outside of Heartland Pride during the weekend called Youth Pride. Um, and it's exactly what you think it would be. It's it's a pride event uh, focused on youth, um, like age 13 to like something, um, uh, 13 to 20, something like that. Um, and the idea was to give them a safe space um, and also a non-alcoholic space, which I think is incredibly important when it comes to pride, um, to just be and to meet others. And it's safe and it's secure and kids can just be kids and also be queer. Um, so I think one of the things that we should all do is we should reach out to our local pride organizations and look at doing things like that. Look at um, look at ways to because like we we have uh, True Colors here, which and they have their own various events, which is great, and they're focused on queer youth, and that's that's wonderful. But not every city has a True Colors. Um, not every Pride has youth outreach. Um, so look into that. Look into if your Pride offers youth outreach, and if not, go to their board meetings. There, for the most part, Pride organizations are nonprofits, and for the most part, they have open board meetings. Go to them. Go to them and bring up your concerns. Um, bring them these statistics and be like, we need to reach out to queer youth. Um, because uh, through through that and some other really great um, youth-oriented uh, uh, queer things, there's also this really great organization uh, program in Nebraska that Drew Heckman started called the Queer Nebraska Youth Networks, which offers a safe and secure Facebook social media um, experience for kids Um between 13 and 25 of various identities um, to express themselves online, um, as well as have physical meetups. Um, but what's really great about it too is that um, uh, Drew set it up in a way where um, people who are experiencing queerness in different ways can can, can um, connect in those very specific communities. So queer men can connect in queer male circles, whereas queer women can connect in queer women circles. And then there's also non-binary trans um, they really set it up and it's, it's still being run by, um, some pretty great queer youth in Nebraska. Um, so that's another model to look at, to, to look at how we can use social media. And that's especially important because so many queer resources exist in Eastern Nebraska that are completely inaccessible to Western and Central Nebraska. Um, so there are like very physical, tangible ways that we can reach out to queer youth. And a lot of that involves pressuring those who are already reaching out to queer people to focus on youth. And it's also important to recognize, too, that a lot of the work that we can do has uh, it, that's important is work with people who are not queer. These dangerous communities, these unsafe communities and unsafe spaces and these negative messages are not coming from queer people. They're coming from from homophobes and they're coming from people who don't understand what queerness is and how queer people are and, and the value of queer people. So we as openly gay and queer people can make great strides in changing our communities by trying to change the people who are making our communities not safe spaces. We have to use our our privilege as out safe people 
to shape our communities. We can't just live in our in our gay spaces and go to our gay events and go to Pride and live in our little gay houses and think that everything will be fine. We have to physically go out into the world and try to shape it. Shape the communities that we want to live in. Shape the community that will then be safe for everyone. And that's incredibly important. It doesn't passively get better. We have to make it better. Yeah, absolutely. So now the last thing that we're going to talk about on the podcast today is... Uh, connected to mentors, not just so much how we can mentor younger people, but um, looking at those of us who paved the way and the challenges that they face in life now that we are kind of in the middle of the, those kind of grown folks situation, looking at the, the situation of LGBT seniors. So the Atlantic recently published a piece called LGBT seniors are being pushed back into the closet and it explores some of the really harsh realities for our mentors and people who are now LGBT seniors. So this is something from that, uh, that piece, which I'll read to you, which I thought is, is an eye-opening thing. This is from the Atlantic article. A few years ago, Rabbi Sarah Posh Arlo was spending time with and comforting a friend who was dying of cancer. Along with all of the usual difficulties and complexities of end-of-life care, there was an additional concern for the friend. Despite being married to her lesbian partner, she didn't feel like she could be open about it with the hospice worker. When hospice came in, I couldn't stay next to her in the bed, the friend told her. I had to separate myself. I had to pretend I was something I wasn't. And... This what has what sort of come out comes out in the in the Atlantic article is that LGBT seniors, particularly those who are living in assisted care or living in these facilities, are facing a great amount of discrimination in those spaces. They're not allowed to be themselves. They're getting pushed back into the closet um, simply because. They're, they're surrounded by anti-LGBT people. This is also from the article. Quote, with gay marriage legal nationwide and organizations such as the LGBT Aging Project, a nonprofit that advocates for equal access to life-prolonging services in operation for more than a decade, Americans should theoretically be living in a golden age for LGBT seniors. Yet, the LGBT Aging Center survey found that only 22% of respondents felt they could be open about their sexual identities with healthcare staff. Almost 90% predicted that staff members would discriminate based on their sexual orientations or gender identities, and 43% reported instances of mistreatment. Meanwhile, few elder care pro providers have services directly targeted at helping them. So the people that made safe spaces for us, people like Mike and Bob and um, and Paul, the drag queen Paul, who if you look, go back from several episodes, you can hear about it. Um, our mentors are getting older and they are going into facilities and they are facing the same kinds of discrimination that LGBT youth face whenever they are in unsupportive homes. They're sometimes getting physically assaulted. They're not feeling safe to be who they are openly and live their lives. And they're facing discrimination based on their sexual orientation and gender identities. And there aren't any services in there that directly target them in their in these communities. So I think it, while we are also looking at the challenge of being an LGBT young person, we also should make sure that we're keeping in mind our LGBT elders and our seniors because they are also facing similar things and that we can do something to help. Yay. Um, so on that sober note... <laughs> 
I mean, sorry, it started out like really fun with Mariah Carey jokes and stuff, and then kind of veered into more serious terrain. Uh, but, but in many ways, you know that that really is going to be the spirit of 2017. If you've been listening to us or checking out the website, um, one of the things that we're going to be adding to the bearded fruit community, as it were. Uh, is something called fruit stands, which are going to be real actionable things that you can do in your communities to further the conversations that we are having here on the podcast, but also creating those conversations in your community with real people and making action and changing your communities so that they are safer for you, they're safer for LGBT seniors, they're safer for LGBT young people, LGBT puppies, kitties. Every LGBT everything will be safer. The L in LGBT actually stands for lizards. Yes. Did you know that? Uh-huh. I did. Lizards, and then the gatos. G stands for Gila Monster. <laughs> Beast. <laughs> That's the B. Yeah. The B. And T is for tomfoolery. I was just gonna say transgender. <laughs> I was just gonna straight up. And transgender. Beast. Um <clears throat> so head over to the website and check out fruit stands in the in the next coming two weeks you'll probably start seeing some things that you can do there and participating uh and as always we are so grateful to everybody who listens to the podcast through all of 2016 you were incredibly supportive you gave us thumbs up and people like matt hey matt hey matt who are out there listening every week and being affected and their lives are maybe a little bit better for listening to the podcast we thank you uh our life is better because you're out there listening so if you want to subscribe to the podcast and you haven't yet, what? You should go to iTunes and you can subscribe there. You can also subscribe on Android as well. You can check that out on the website. Leave us a review and some stars. We love to hear feedback from you. You can find us on Facebook at Bearded Fruit. You can find us on Twitter at Bearded Fruit Pod. And uh, you can find us on the web at www.beardedfruit.com. Check out all of those places connect with us uh shout out to us let us hear from you we'd love to hear more from the people who are out there listening own a business don't do it do it do it do it suck a dick oh i love t.s madison um thanks for sticking with us into 2017 we're looking forward to giving you another year of bearded fruit and tomfoolery yeah so thanks have a wonderful week and we'll see you next week not physically, though, because this is an audio-based content. I mean, okay. Bye. Bye.